0: What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 46 of Behind the Daw, where we interview music producers, artists, music industry experts, singers, songwriters, and everyone else in between on an emotional, philosophical, artistic, and music business basis. This is a companion podcast to our YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite music producers to come and dissect their songs in real time. We've had people like Pegboard Nerds, AU5, Cashmere, Modestet, Fox Stevenson, Quick, Said the Sky, and a whole bunch of others. So if you're interested in that, There is a link in the description, or those are the point. Five Episodes within this podcast. The last episode that we did was 45.5 with Tynan breaking down his song Dang. So if you're interested in any of those, there are links in the description. But Donation, who are we going to be interviewing today? Today we're going to interview Lexi from Echoes. She's a singer and songwriter who's collaborated with people like Seven Lions, Elenium, and Davin. She's had releases on Monster Cat, Mr. Suicide Sheep, Airwave Music TV, and they just released their debut album on Seeking Blue called Even Though You're Gone, which we we are going to talk about a lot today. So if you want to check out that album, there is a link in the description. She also works with New Dawn Collective, which is a record label that has releases with people like AU5, Myro, Crystal Skies, Last Heroes, Ben Walter, Halcyon, and a bunch of others. Link in the description if you want to check them out. And she wanted me to say this, quote, if you follow her on social media, you will know that she has incredible dad jokes, end quote. Also, my co-host for today is Daddy, which fits perfectly with with that last statement. In today's episode, you're going to learn about why it's valuable to be an open and vulnerable person. You're also going to learn about walking the thin line in storytelling where you paint a clear picture, yet you leave room for personal interpretation. And finally, why you need to create a space in music to release your built-up negative emotions, but to do it in the right way. There's a bunch of other things that we're going to be talking about today, Donation, but we'll get into it when we get back from thanking our sponsor. Dawn Nation, imagine if you could join the live streams with the producers, artists, and music industry experts that we have on the show. Imagine if you could ask your own questions to these guests. Imagine if you could learn from them in real time before the episode ever comes out. Now imagine all of this costing less than half of what you spend a month on Netflix. Well, Dawn Nation, what I just described actually exists. This episode is sponsored by the In the Daw and Behind the Daw Patreon. For only $5 a month, you can get access to our private Discord community where we do the live streams of our interviews. You're able to come on, watch the interview, ask your questions, interact with the guest, and we always pick someone from our Patreon to join the Zoom call. Not just the live stream, but the actual Zoom call where you get to meet the guest face-to-face. Face. If you want to take a huge step forward in your music career, then check out the In The Daw and Behind The Daw Patreon at patreon.com in the D-A-W-W-W. That's patreon.com in the D-A-W-W-W. There's also links in the description for the Patreon. If you have any questions about this, you can email me at wyatt at behindthedaw.net, or you can DM me on Facebook or Instagram. But Daw Nation, let's get into this week's interview. I want to welcome everyone to this week of Behind the Dot. We're absolutely honored and blessed to be able to be interviewing Lexi from Echoes. Lexi, say what's up to Donation and tell us something extremely embarrassing about yourself.
1: Hello. I'm not embarrassed to say it. When I was in eighth grade, I had a crush on this guy who played a BC Rich bronze warlock, like electric guitar. This so was like, Yeah, I'm gonna buy the same guitar and, and impress him. And I did. I was like 13 and I ordered a guitar online to impress a boy.
0: Did it impress him?
1: <laughs> um, no, he told my friends that I looked really homely. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but but then later on he like apologized, and in high school he was like, You got real cute, and it's it's just funny how life works out but yeah i was so crushed i was like i went out and got this guitar and you think i look homely it's who like, the
0: heck uses a word like homely that's like something from the <laughs> 70s dude
1: i know i was crushed and then i just wrote songs about it but to be fair that is really creepy like if somebody bought a guitar to impress me that i like didn't really know i would be like no
2: Uh... (laughs) I used to be really into Screamo emo music, right? And so I was maybe 14 and all my friends decided that we were going to play a Screamo song during lunch and ask the principal if we could do it. He's like, sure, whatever. (laughs) So we thought that we could just make and perform music without practicing ever. And so we all just got our own instruments and got up there in front of thousands of kids and tried to play it and it was an absolute train wreck. I went to my next class with my head down on the desk and I was so embarrassed because I did a terrible job. And I was the screamer, okay? I was so embarrassed and somehow, I don't know if I just had to prove to myself that I wasn't a crappy musician, but now I'm a music producer. So I don't know if we are just driven by our desire to prove that we weren't as crappy as we were when we were younger. Oh, I don't know. Dude, you know? yeah,
1: no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I was, I mean, I was not, that good obviously you music takes time things take time i mean i have that innate talent in my soul and you could, you could hear in the tone of my voice that if i had worked with it properly it would be good but before I was in vocal lessons, people would make fun of me at school. They'd be like, you sound horrible. And I think you're right. There is like this desire to prove people wrong. And that, I think that's kind of like a driving force of human nature, really. I yeah. got,
2: I, I, same thing I, I got, and now we're getting kind of deep, but I, I got bullied a lot when I was younger. A lot of people would like down talk me and not give me the chance to like try out for musical things or be, in, be in bands and stuff like that. Like all my friends would be in there. and When you're younger, that stuff like really affects you. But, I still kind of get like a little sense of haha when I'm like doing this sick thing and my friends are still working at Walmart and not that that's yeah. bad yeah but, yeah yeah uh, no
1: I, I know what you, you know, mean it, God, I've been doing you shouldn't a lot feel of it. that way I know what you mean it's like that part of your ego that was never fulfilled in your youth is now being fulfilled. And that's where that like, haha comes from, but you have enough, like, so you're not going to like say that it's just a feeling
2: and you shouldn't feel it, but it's still there. kind of.
1: I was bullied too. I've always been weird. So like my way of dealing with it was like, I would always be like, confuse that enemy. And I would just say weird. I had these girls that would call me and tell me to kill myself. And instead of like, being sad about it, I just started quoting Monty Python. And I would literally be like, Coconuts Migrate. And like they just didn't get it. I don't know, some weird level of, of comedic intelligence. And and they, they stopped calling me. But then I, I even changed my voicemail to be like a quote from Monty Python. So if they were to like leave me hate voicemails, they would have to get through my my coconuts migrate spiel. So I see.
3: I,
2: I'm pretty sure that you your true calling is to be the new anti bullying person for the United States.
3: <laughs>
1: you need to
2: go into school and teach kids how to set Monty Python as their uh,
1: Yeah. As their, uh. I do well I think I was like in some I was in youth group a lot growing up and there was they were talking about how to deal with bullies and it was like talk about mangoes. And I was like, "Okay, and I'm sure they meant like they meant, you know, like deflect the situation, but I'm going to go one deeper and start talking about Monty Python coconuts." People were mean, but also I went to a really small school in the woods. I was probably mean too cuz that's how I dealt with it, but I I I later learned that being uh, weird was the best way to deal with it. But kids are just mean. It's like so primal. Oh, so many hormones and so primal. And you're all just trying to survive. I'm glad I'm not in middle school anymore. That's hard.
0: That's some of the darkest days.
1: Just circle back to, yeah, people would tell me that I sounded horrible. It would just make fun of me and tell me I could never do music. And so I think part of that was like, oh, I'll, I'll show you. <laughs>
0: Do you think like going through some of those dark times in in middle school is what's kind of aided you along the path to start writing the type of music that you're writing now? Is because it kind of started you when you were young.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually started songwriting when I was like eight or nine because I really wanted to be like Avril Lavigne. But I also had so many feelings in me. I think we I was, all like,
2: want to be like Avril Lavigne. I yeah, think all of us. so.
1: She, I would wear the tie, dude. I would wear the wristbands. Like I had the straight hair. I was all about her. I, I do think that going through that definitely persuaded the style in which that I write. But then again, like I look back on my writing and I, oh, I wish that I had all my books with me. I have this book from like when I was eight and I was writing about heartbreak at like a level that is just like, how would I know that? But maybe I was just feeling really sad and just, I've, I've always been kind of an articulate person since I was little. I was always just feeling a lot and writing for me was that escape or a way to channel it. I
2: feel like this is going to be a really good behind the doc because you're super open and I like that.
1: I always feel like that's a bad thing. Like I think for so long people would always be like, being open is so bad or being sensitive is so bad. But I'm starting to realize that that's actually like my power because it is a very beautiful quality that, I've tried to like force down for so long but I think it's my ability to connect with people is my openness.
0: What do you think the benefits are that come from being open you know like because you are being open now and I'm sure you've been open many many times especially in your music career but like what are the benefits that come with being open?
1: I was always afraid to be open but the more that I became open the more that I realized it would open other people up. I can go into a room and there can be a person that I've never met before and within 20 minutes we're telling each other our life stories. I think that's really beautiful. I think that it's a it's a way to feel okay with being yourself. You know, I think my family is really open. We're all so sensitive and and very open about things. And I think that's definitely where it comes from. But I, I think that one of the benefits, yeah, w- would be just being able to connect with people on like a real level. You know, it's not. I don't have like a fake energy about me. I think it's powerful. I think it's a really cool way to just understand and and learn. If you meet someone, you can have surface level conversations that's fine you know that's there's nothing wrong with that but i think like giving someone the space to be open w- about their life by me being open i think that's like a, a beautiful thing but it does come with with difficulty because then there's times where i feel that it's very draining to be so open because there's that other side of the coin that within 20 minutes, someone can tell me their life story. And then I feel like that's just so much energy.
0: It's too dense, too dense of an experience when you get that deep that quick, right?
1: I think more so now it's becoming more draining because I'm just talking with more people, just because I'm traveling more and I'm doing more. But I do enjoy it. I think it, it's, it's a really beautiful experience to be able to just learn and understand
2: people. Something that's really cool with the you know circumstance we're in right now and especially with you is you're a well known name within the industry. People know your voice, they know your songs. You're working in a very expressive industry. And I can't think of an industry that I know that I, I can think of that you're able to really truly express the true you more. We really want you to feel like you can say what you've been meaning to say your whole life. You know, yeah. if you could if you could speak your thesis, the thesis of echoes, the thesis of you know what truly drives you and what you're trying to do or say or change in the world or express Um, and so yeah we want you to be able to feel free to really truly be yourself and say what you what you're feeling inside and 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 so I guess my question to follow up with that is you know we've talked a little bit about the content of your music and how it's Mm -hmm. more uh, real and deep and sometimes I would say depressing but more on the heavier sides of things so tell me what what do you feel like you're trying to do or say with that what's why is that what you're pulled to and at the end of the day why is that what you're focusing on and, and why is that you know, what you're
1: doing. I think that I have always had an issue of saying what I, what I really want to say, like through my words, just because I I always say that my music is like this higher self, this other part of me where I feel I can express everything freely. I don't have to filter anything. Whereas like me, just, just mundane me is like too nervous to say the things that I want to say. And so music is kind of like this buffer of like, oh, I can get angry. I can get sad. I, I can channel all of the emotions that I'm too afraid to channel in a conversation into a song. So, I mean, every, every song that I've ever written is about an experience or it's, it's to a person where I've been too afraid to say something to them, or it's been things I've been too afraid to say to myself. Music just gives me that freedom to just say whatever I want to say. And it's also really given me the courage to say what I want to say in my in my mundane life. So it's kind of like both sides have grown from the music.
0: That was
2: profound. Okay. It's almost like music's like a language, right? And it's, yeah. it's almost a different way to speak and maybe in a way that words can't and you can express things almost more bravely through music.
1: I could literally like speak my lyrics to you and be like, oh, okay, cool but then if I were if you were to hear them in a song it might mean more I don't don't know I've never I mean I think about this a lot like why I'm more expressive in my music than I am you know just in my mundane self the more I think about it the more I'm like why don't I express what I feel when I'm talking I, I don't know like it's like it's just as important but I think yeah music is a place where you can you can do that on a deeper level on a way that you just feel it's like a safe space. And I feel like it's that way for a lot of, a lot of creatives.
0: There's a term that was used back in ancient times to to describe what we're talking about right now, especially when it comes to the power of music, even if, even if it's words that you did use in your normal day life, when you attach the power of music to it, 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 you're right. It connects to like you said, like a higher self or a deeper self, another dimension that people that that you can't normally uh, connect to. What that term is, is called apocryphon. And what that means, it's the knowledge or the wisdom or the feeling that can be learned, but can't be taught. It's something you can only feel and understand it on an individual level, but like you can't really explain it. But the other people that have went through it, like we, we've been through what you're talking about, but it's like, I still feel like I'm, I'm still on the same level. It's like, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. I don't know how to put that into words, but I know exactly what you're talking about. You, do you agree with that?
1: Totally. It's like, I have very, very in-depth dreams. And when I'm dreaming, it's like, I can't really put into words what it is, but like everything I dreamt about was a feeling. So it's it's kind of it's kind of that like it's something that you can't necessarily say it's something that you feel
0: on the concept of you opening up and how you open up in your songs and stuff like that if you could pick a song out of any song that you've released underneath echoes what do you feel like is the most open song i guess you could say the song that you're just like this is where this this took it to a whole new level for me
1: <laughs> i feel like the entire album of even though you're gone really i mean that was like that was so intense for me to write i or for us to write i i did all of the lyrics so it all kind of starts for me as like poetry really and forcing myself to just like get that deep is it was oh uh, i'm trying to think of a specific song that really did that for me i think i think 1216 that one was was really that one really opened me up a lot
0: Why do you feel like twelve sixteen really opened you up personally?
1: I think that it opened me up so much just because it was so real when I wrote it. It was well, I can't even really say just for one specific song. It's really the entire album. I mean, that was just like that was the most honest I've ever been in my entire life with myself and with my art. And I think that. I was so afraid to be that honest for so long. And then that the art showed me that it's okay to do that. And now like I I am so honest about everything in my life. Like if I'm feeling sad, like I don't feel like I can't express that anymore. Or I I don't feel like a burden expressing that. And I think my art showed me that. And that's what opened me up. I hope this is making sense. I feel like it's such a the, the entire album was such an honest and raw experience for me that by documenting it in in music, I was able to pull from that and be like, whoa, I, I'm allowed to do this in my in my real life. You know, not to say that music isn't in my real life, but I always I always say there's Echo's Lexi and then there's like Lexi at Whole Foods. You know, like Whole Foods Lexi can also express the same feelings as Echo's Lexi, and it's okay.
2: With you saying that this was the most the most open you've been in music, there's also the flip side of saying that there has been music you've probably written that may not have been as quite as open. I've talked to a lot of producers who have expressed that they wish that they could put more emotion into their music, that when they get in there, you know, they're writing it and it sounds cool, but can't, they feel like they can't express themselves as much. And, and they, they're kind of wondering why, like, why can't they do that? So my question to you is, is what do you think, first of all, prohibits a person from being open and and expressive in their craft? Mm -hmm. And what are some things that you can do to really get those real feelings out onto paper or onto Mm -hmm. your, your piano or DA, or what are, you know, what are some of the things that hinder you? And what are some of the things that can really help a person be honest and open with themselves to be able to create that kind of music?
1: Honestly, judgment, judgment of myself and Fear of judgment from others because I think as as a woman I've always felt that getting angry is like a bad thing like I'm not supposed to get angry uh, I'm supposed to just be you know okay and I'm I'm this very calm person and anger is something I shouldn't ever feel or express so I felt like I could never get to that depth of of whoever I felt hurt me or whatever I was hurting from at the time I didn't know how to get angry at it and I think getting angry is a very healthy emotion to feel so you can grieve and move on from whatever it is that you're dealing with. I think that I allowed myself the space to get angry. And from that, I was able to heal and get just really, really deep in what I wanted to say. And I remember Tal was so good at inspiring this in me. I would be like, I don't know if I should say this. Like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings with my songs. And he would be like, dude, a good song is a good song. Like, You just have to say it. And so I feel like that anger kind of lifted that veil of trying to filter things so I wasn't upsetting anybody else through my art. And I just was able to sit there and say everything that I needed to say and just get really, really deep into those emotions. I think anyone who's sitting down, it's like you have to remove judgment. Don't judge yourself and don't even think about what other people are going to say. I just removed all of the judgment like i removed what anyone else was gonna think that's
2: that's scary for a lot of people i feel like that's brave that's cool
1: it is and i mean i think that i've just had such a great support system of like say what you want to say like i mean literally in euphoria i say the lyric is this is everything i want to say but can't say yet This is It, it was. And I was able to get to that level because I removed judgment of what anyone else was going to think. And I just wrote what I felt and I got angry. And that anger then turned into uh, acceptance. And then I was able to, you know, to grieve. And I think you can hear that in the album. Like, I feel like my process is in there. But it all started with removing judgment of what anyone else was going to think.
0: I'm that... That rang true to me while you were talking about this. When we talk about the quote unquote negative emotions, sadness, anger, depression, you know, like whatever you want to define as as negative. The problem with that is, is that I actually think underneath those labeled emotions is actually a very like you were saying, a very healthy thing. I think what we label as sad or mad or angry or whatever is not actually what is sad, mad, or angry. I think what we normally label as sad, mad, and angry is these feelings that have been kept up. Like it started as sad or mad or angry, but then they've been kept inside for so long that they've kind of they've just grown out of control. And then we would label them as sad, mad, and angry. And they but at that point they become destructive. But if at the very onset of you feeling sad, you were able to. Experience express it and you're able to recognize it then i think it becomes a very healthy thing
1: totally and i think not a lot of people realize that just because i don't think a lot of people have give, have been given the space to identify where those feelings come from or to express them in a healthy way i truly 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 feel so blessed that i have music As my my tool, music is. It allows me to feel those things and to literally take them outside of myself. Like literally, I can listen to a song and be like, "Oh, whoa, that's what I was feeling," you know. And then from there, I like to get all deep and and try and trace what that stems from and identify the why my ego wants to feel this way or whatnot. But I don't think a lot of people have been given that space to say, "Hey." I feel this way because something has been suppressed within me for so long. You know, I don't think a lot of people have that. And through my art, I hope that I can ignite that in people because everyone deserves to feel joy and to to reconcile those feelings within themselves.
2: And I think that's, that's noble. I think that's a noble cause because there are so many people that are afraid to be themselves and to express what they're feeling. And that's why... Music is so attractive to some people. There's, a, there's a, a lyric by my favorite band today to remember that says, it's why sad songs make me happy because I don't have to feel alone. Oh. And, I, and I love that. It's what, basically what it's saying is I am able to find some peace that I'm not the only one that feels these negative emotions. Even though yeah, I'm suppressing yeah. them, even though I can't express them, and I don't know how, that there is somebody else, especially somebody that I look up to, that yeah. feels that way as well. And so I think that not only is it uh, a cool thing and healing for you, but I think it's a noble thing to do with your life because we do live in a suppressive society. We are taught to temper our emotions in sometimes unhealthy ways. And so being able to listen to someone who you look up to and understand that they are going through the same thing is often a very like saving and like Positive experience for people.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I have, I can totally uh, relate to that because I felt the same way my whole life. You know, all of my favorite artists, pretty sad songs. And I think as humans, we just want to feel connected and we don't want to feel alone. We want that sense of community. And I think you're right. If you are sad and you hear a sad song from someone that you look up to and you think like you just admire everything that they do, and then you hear that they're also struggling with those same emotions, you instantly feel connected. That sense of community you through the music and you feel less alone and you feel like it's okay to feel sadness because if they feel it and they're doing okay, you, you will totally. get through it. It like inspires you in a way because that person is, is being so open so it yeah, makes you I,
2: it makes your like load bearable. May, like maybe I can get through this.
1: It does. It gives a lot of hope. I think that's what is so uh, ironic about sad music. Is it's so sad, yes, but it also it can create a sense of hope between the li- or to the listener. You know, even for the creator, my sad music totally inspires me to to work through it or be happy. Like I can go through my catalog and be like, okay, what do I need to focus on dealing with right now? Because something's coming up or or I can hear a pattern in my songs and and I will be able to use that as a tool for healing because I'm like uh, I should probably focus on that part of myself if that's coming out in songs.
0: Daw Nation there is so much more to come in this interview and we're going to keep soaking up all this wisdom when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Daw Nation if you struggle with any of the intricacies of electronic music production you know things like composing a melody sound design arrangement sequencing or even just fully understanding how to utilize your DAW to properly translate Translate the story and feelings that you feel inside of your heart and mind. If this is you, then I would highly encourage you to consider taking a private lesson from InTheDaw.net. The rates are extremely affordable, the scheduling is insanely flexible, and the knowledge that you gain in these lessons is so personal and so deep that it's honestly priceless. These lessons are all done through a Zoom call, so you can be anywhere in the entire world. In fact, you don't even have to turn your camera on if you don't want to. All you have to do is show up, ask your questions, and you get my personal guarantee that the private lesson will not end until we answer all the questions that you bring to the table. If this sounds like something you need to really help progress on your musical journey, then head over to InTheDaw.net and click on the private lessons tab. There is also a link in the description that will take you to the private lessons page. But again, that is the private lessons tab on InTheDaw.net. With you talking about these emotions, these processes, these things that you're going through, it really draws me toward wanting to talk about your album and like getting to know these songs in a more intimate way. But I want to make sure that we have the other questions out of the way first. So, um, Brendan, do you have any other questions before we start getting into like the songs and dissecting those as far as like the meanings of them and stuff?
2: Basically, I feel like in our minds, we build, when we start this project, right. When you started echoes, how long did you start echoes?
1: (sighs) Almost six years ago,
2: six years ago. So you were, that was 2013, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
2: so tell me what Lexi in 2013, 2014 envisioned Echoes being. Like if you could go back and write down a a game plan for me and (laughs) and show it to me, what was the original thought?
1: So, okay, so there's two. So number one was we want to create music that people will always want to feel emotionally connected to. But also, 19-year-old Echo's Lexi was the biggest bass head of all time, and I thought we would be this like grimy dubstep duo uh, because that's all I was listening to. And I just like I love, I still love bass music. I'm obsessed with it. But I really thought we were going to be more electronic. But then there was always this underlying sense of like, well, I kind of want to do more like acoustic stuff because I was always in acoustic bands in high school. But I would say that I thought it would be way more like. DJ-based is kind of what we thought at the time. Because Tal was doing, he was Clark Kent. I don't know if you guys remember any of that stuff. And we just thought we were like so hard. We were like, yeah, gonna make this grimy stuff. And everything just had so many drops. And I, you know, we always had this vision of like, we want it to just be, you know, music people can connect to.
2: Like so how did you pivot to where you're at now then? What was the point where things started heading towards your way? I mean, I know I think Wyatt told you this at one point, but when my wife and I got married, uh our our song was actually afterlife. He did tell. And so, yeah, my wife's actually here with me. But uh, yeah, we loved it. It was like our song. And when we were driving together, we weren't supposed to do this obviously because it was our wedding day. But when we were driving to the wedding together, we listened to that on the way, and we held hands. And it's just like one of those moments in my life where it was like, it's just I'll always remember that. So uh, thank you, first of all, for making that. Wow, song.
1: that is uh, cool. That, that's <laughs> I genuinely sometimes forget that my music goes into the world. I think it's like we release it, and I'm like, okay, and I'm I'm always like, oh, I'm gonna go and do my thing in my life, and and I I always forget that my music really it can be like a a narration of of so, of a memory for someone, and that is like so crazy and so wild for me to to wrap my head around. You know, we create in our bedroom, we we create these songs in our bedroom studios and then they go into the world and it's like, it's crazy. So that's cool. Thank you for sharing that with me. Like, yeah, that, that means a lot. <laughs> it really does, dude.
2: That's the, the power of music, especially with the internet and being able to distribute it, is pretty crazy. It's pretty awesome. So, yeah. yeah back to the back to the question though. Basically, so how, like, what made the change? Like, why is Echoes the way it is now compared to that um, that you were expecting?
1: I would say that well, our team was always. They were always like, you know, you should definitely do more like like a full song, not just drops, because your guys' sound is going to evolve and like your voice lends itself well to a full song. And at the time, and even like my best friend, she was like, you should do more like kind of indie. And I was like, no, like sick drops, you know, like, and I was like, that's what we need. And and she's like, I don't know. I feel like it'd be cool if you were to like, you know, do full songs. And our managers always encouraged that. You know, they were like, we can just, we just feel that. And like your lyrics like deserve that space. And so when we started writing the singles that came out, like Tomorrow. The Haze. So we started putting out those songs and we realized that they had, you know, like a verse and a, and a pre-chorus and a chorus. And we just kind of Started going from there. I mean, I think it's funny. Our very first song we put out was me and Tal wrote it on the floor of my bedroom at like 3 a.m. on my acoustic guitar. So I I can't say that I I guess in my head I envisioned all this dubstep stuff, but we were already kind of doing it. So maybe there wasn't really a change at all. It was kind of always there. And then we just kept exploring it.
0: So I really want to talk about your album because your album, it changed my life. There's something about it, like you're saying, it's, it's the apocryphon mentality, right? The stuff that can be learned but can't be taught. I want to go through some of my favorite songs on the album, and I want you to kind of give us some more deeper insight into them, all right? So the first one that really, really got me, obviously, was Saints. That was kind of the, the one of the, the first singles that you guys uh, released off of it, and there's just there's something about that song that resonates with me. Tell me about that. Give me some more deep information on that song.
1: don't want to give away too much because one of my favorite things about music is that you can make, it can mean whatever you want it to mean. So I always say that like, if I were to tell you that saints is about a flower, now every time you're going to think about a flower rather than whatever saints means to you. So I will try and keep that anonymous feeling throughout when I give you a deeper meaning, just because I think that it's so powerful for it to mean whatever you want it to mean. Which may sound kind of like like corny, I don't know, but I I like don't want to rob you of your own meaning, you know.
0: Very very noble. It's actually a very good point. You're right because we we I was teaching a lesson last night to one of my students, and the thing that I told him was when we create a song, it is this very gentle act of painting a picture but leaving enough room for interpretation right we're kind of we're holding their hand we're letting them walk down the path and they want to stop and they want to go see this this cliffside or they want to go check out this thing in the song you let them and when you're ready when they're ready to come back then you gently keep guiding them along this along the story I mean do you would that be an accurate representation yeah, i guess you can Yeah, say?
1: totally. And and i i'm totally cool with giving you guys a little bit into that into that picture to give you kind of a meaning of it, kind of to go back to what you were saying, what types of feelings i was able to summon in this album that's different from our other work was that i think Saints was kind of the first song where i was angry. Like that was kind of my first anger song on the album because I'm pretty much addressing like your story isn't adding up, you know, like I think everything you're saying is a lie. And I felt okay saying that. I, yeah, that was really the first song where I got angry and I kind of felt like I was taking my power back by just being like, you're you're not innocent. Like you're, you're fooling everyone, you're fooling yourself. And I think that that was kind of like the anthem of me being able to be angry and it being okay. That's kind of what that song means to me.
0: That's amazing. And why, why choose the imagery of a saint? As kind of like how you're saying, like you're in the song, you say you're no saint. So in this, in this instance, a saint is kind of like the desirable person, the person you want to be around, like the higher human, I guess you could say. Why, why pick that imagery?
1: Well, one thing that I really like to do when I'm songwriting, this is like a new development, is I'll think of a word or something and I'll start, I'll start exploring it or googling it or just reading about it. And I think I think the first line that I, I think it was, you're no saint. That was the first line that I kind of wrote for it or uh, that I was hearing. So I started researching religion a lot and kind of the idea of like being holy and yeah, looking up to a saint or kind of worshiping a saint sort of translated into a relationship kind of, you know, like if you're idolizing someone, you think that they're this holy being and you kind of give a lot of your dedication and devotion to them. But then in my case, I kind of, I found out that this person wasn't as what I thought that they were. And so I kind of like, I liked the metaphor of religion. I don't know. I was just kind of diving into like, what's a cool way to say this rather than being like, you suck, you know, that wouldn't be a cool song. <laughs> and so I was, I think that, yeah, the idea of a saint was so powerful. And at the time, I really felt that this person had such a power in my life. And I was so like, I don't know, I just looked up to them so much and was so, I, it was like a, like some type of weird like worship in a way. I don't know. You know, like when you're in a, when you're really in love and you just are like so just, or you think you're in love and you're so taken back by this person. You just think they're so holy. I just thought it was a really cool way to express it, I think.
3: <laughs> I love I
1: love I'm, the imagery
0: that we're talking about here. This is really, really great.
1: I wish I had cooler reasons for you other than the fact that I was like, oh, I was just Googling it. I mean... I, I guess I just fell kind of down a hole on like on scriptures that's what it was you what did it, the lyric is um uh your, your revelations don't look nothing like this like the scriptures and I yeah that's where it was I was like googling that and just kind of kept going further and further into religion and just kind of applied that to a relationship
0: my next favorite song on the album which is what I talked about earlier was vacant there is there is a power inside of vacant to me it wasn't necessarily an attacking song you know like the 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 lyrics in there you know i hope you choke on your vacancy to me when it when i was listening to it it wasn't necessarily that it wasn't necessarily like an aggressive like no, I really, I really do hope you suffer. I hope you choke on your vacancy. To me, it was kind of like a projection of my past self of me feeling those feelings and and eventually overcoming them Was like, yeah, I really did feel that way. I really did hope that this person choked on their vacancy. I really did hope I, I sought revenge for what this person did to me. But now I see like a, like a higher way, I guess you could say, what about you? What was your, what was your journey with that song?
1: Yes. Okay. So first of all, I'm actually saying, I hope that you choke on your vacant teeth.
0: Vacant teeth. Ah, good to know.
1: Which was like, I wrote it with my friend Charlie and I was, I wrote that lyric and I was like, no, it's too weird. I'm not going to say it. And then Charlie was like, what if you said teeth? And I was like, dude, I just wrote that down. Like, right before we got into the session and he's like, yeah, that's cool. And so we went with vacant teeth. And at the time that I wrote it, I'm kind of saying like, I've been waiting for you to get your mind right. Like, you know, I've just been waiting for waiting around for you. And it's feeling like I'm waiting for you to become uh, vacant so I can be there with you. It's like, this person was sort of like this hotel that was always every room was booked and I could never really, get in uh, or get as close as I wanted to. That's what what I wrote it about initially. And then the more that I listened to it, the more I realized it was about my ego. Kind of like what you're saying in the sense that it's not a projection of this person, it's like your old self, like I have felt this before. And I think to me at the time, yeah, it, it was kind of like, I can't get close to you in the way that I need to feel in, when I'm around you. But then it turned into, yeah, like a more of an ego thing, kind of. I feel what you're feeling, but also also in the sense that like my ego is kind of the thing that had these teeth that were like biting into me and i kind of was finally telling it off for the first time a lot of like self-reflection
0: what about my blood
3: i oh, don't know what you want from me want from me
1: So, My Blood uh, was the first song that I wrote, started writing for the album. I was doing kind of an artist isolation thing where I didn't want to talk to anybody for a few weeks and I turned off all my social media and whatnot and I just started writing. That was kind of the point of the relationship thing where I didn't really know what the person wanted from me. And I wrote it at like three in the morning and just the line, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what you want. That, that was like the core of where that song started. And I was just feeling really lonely and feeling like I just needed to, to say, I don't know what you want from me, but I was so afraid to actually say that. So, of course, I was like, I'll just put it in a song and then I'll suppress it. It'll be fine because I'm too afraid to say it. All of that kind of manifested itself into basically, I don't know what you want for me. Built itself off of that.
0: Is there, outside of the album, is there a song that you are particularly proud of? Like a particularly emotionally attached song that kind of rises above all the others that's, that's outside of the album?
1: You know, I think it depends on where I'm at in my life. I think... You know when we put out the self-titled EP I think I think say it that was that was my like big anthem of like yo this feels so close to me
3: Is it that you can't hear me
1: Was, was where I started, like, literally, like, say it, say what you feel, right? And that was kind of, like, the, the very start of, like, opening me up in some way that I didn't ever know existed and, like, getting angry. And so I think say it was just, like, I was so connected to that. And that kind of, from there, Even Though You're Gone was born. And I think you can hear, say it throughout Even Though You're Gone. I think that was kind of like the pivotal song of like, I'm going to get a little bit more anthemic with my feeling and my words.
0: And before the album, kind of my favorite song that really, really resonated with me on a deep level. And you and know, I talked about this before, but it's Silhouettes. Tell me oh, about yeah. Silhouettes. I freaking love Silhouettes.
1: Oh, I love that one so much. left in my I was living in this house with uh, three other girls, and it was so fun. There just always were things going on. And the basement, I had my own room, but the basement was also, they just let me have it as the studio. And it was this big, giant room, and Tal and I turned it into what we called the Echo's Lair. Tal was writing a melody for that, like, and I just couldn't stop hearing the line paint silhouettes with my fingertips. Sometimes I will just literally hear words. And I'm like, oh, this fits within this melody. And we kind of built it around that. At the time, the house that I was living in, we all thought it was haunted. I kind of was writing about like this haunted house, but it also maybe I was what was haunted, not the house. It was this really cool way of kind of navigating the weird things that I was feeling but also that the house would do like I would hear weird sounds in the house all the time and I think that that's that's why the opening line is like the sounds of this house beating through my chest because it was like the house was so creepy and haunted but also I felt haunted at the time does that make sense like it was like me and the house were both going through something at the same time
2: is there anything that you want to say or express you know is there anything that you haven't been able to say yet that Hmm. you want want to ask or the way that why I sometimes ask it is basically like if we could ask you any question, what would it be?
1: I guess more things on like the process of like how we create, if I have any advice for anyone. But I feel like you've kind of already we've touched that. Like I just my biggest advice would just be to like remove judgment really from anything that you're doing.
2: And the and the cool thing about this audience and, and something that may spark a little bit of brain thought is and you know everyone that's listening to this are aspiring producers and writers that are trying to unlock within them their true art form and to really express what they want. And so they're looking up to you as their guide as to, you know, they look at you and say, oh, I I hope I can be there someday. Right. And so I guess what what would be your words of encouragement or what would be the final thing to say then? Because they're actually listening to you, you know, saying this thing right now. So like, what would you say to
1: them? First of all, that's wild because i don't even see myself as that like i don't see myself as somebody that you would be like i want to be where you are like i genuinely suffer from imposter syndrome of where it's like you just you you think that you are not what people think you are and i've been doing a lot of writing about that because like i said previously anytime i'm dealing with something i'm like okay i should write about this and i should dive deeper into that first of all if you look up to me that that blows my mind and I'm incredibly honored. And I will tell you that I still am trying to figure out how to be my best self and my, you know, and to be the best artist that I can be. I think that it's always a journey. I think, Human nature you're always wanting more, you know you're always wanting to create more and learn more and strive for more. I think that's what kind of what keeps us um moving. I don't think you ever get to a point where you're like, okay, I've done enough, especially as a creative, like everything inspires me you know like I, I don't think there's ever a time where I could be like, well, I've written about everything I want to write about, feel inspiration everywhere and in everything. I would just say to constantly be creating and Practice, practice believing that you are worthy, you know, that that is something I am trying to do. Like I'm I'm currently in practice of being like, yeah, you know, I do want to be somebody that people can look up to. I, I may not believe it right now because I have so many standards that I set for myself. But practicing that you are just worthy of appreciating yourself, if that makes sense. Um, it's hard. Like I, I genuinely always feel that I'm not good enough. People who, who tell me that that's, that's opposite, I'm always just like so thankful because yeah, I, I don't see it. But I, I would just say, keep writing, you know, and, and try to believe in yourself. I think that's a huge thing I've noticed amongst a lot of artists is we just clearly to a point, I believe in myself because I keep, I'm doing what I'm doing, but like the core of me struggles with like just thinking I'm a trash bag. That's that part of me. That's like, wait, why would you look up to me?
0: But as you were talking about that? I kind of just leaned back in my chair, looked out my window, watching these huge clouds just move by. It was a very, it was a very euphoric moment hearing like you talk about that. and It reminded me of this experience that we had a couple weeks ago, Brennan, had The chance to play the show, um, I went and I, w- I was there with him. And there's this guy there that was performing with him. His name is Devin Barris. What, what, what does he go by, Brendan?
2: His band is called Sun Sleep.
0: Sun Sleep. He's That's an amazing cool. vocalist, absolutely incredible. But when he performed, when he did his acoustic set, you could, there's there's this, this tangible feeling. And I was with Brendan's cousin at the time, whose name's Noah. And earlier, Noah and I had this conversation of how he was so afraid. You know, in your own words, he was consumed with judgment about his own art, about what he wanted to do, what he, you know, like what he was drawn to. He was so consumed, you know, what what are other people going to think? No, that's stupid. I can't do that. So on and so forth, right? And a, and a million variations of those things. And I told him what I really tried to convey to him. And I was like, the thing is, Noah, is that like, if you don't figure out a way to do your art, it is not only going to affect you. There are people in this world right now who are screaming for your art, who are just searching everywhere for your art to give them a piece of their life's puzzle. And if you don't do it, you're going it is a huge tragedy to the world for those people and while we were listening to Devin perform his set you could see like that that feeling that I was talking about you could see it come over Noah's face and see that Devin brought something beautiful to the table for Noah something that resonated and then that's when I leaned over to Noah and I was like that feeling that you're feeling right now this is it This is the one, this is the thing that you can bring to the world, but you have to pay the price. You have to get over that judgment and you have to figure out how to do it. Because if you don't, everyone will suffer. To add to
2: that too, and I hope that Devin's okay with me sharing this. Uh, I'm really, really close with Devin, but he has really bad anxiety and so does Noah. And I believe both of them are like, know clinically have anxiety but watching Devin express himself on stage although it's scary to get up there for him sometimes is an amazing thing to see someone so afraid to express himself yet to get past that and then do a beautiful job of doing it it almost makes the art more valuable it almost makes it more priceless
1: i fully agree i i can agree with that in my own way of like like, I keep bringing back the the idea of that I'm two people, essentially. Like, I'm this mundane Lexi that my family and my friends know. Wyatt, that you know through our silly calls. And then, and then I have, like, performance Lexi. And I totally, I mean, I it's hard to get on stage and, and seriously bear your soul to an audience of people. Like, that's terrifying. But once I'm there and once I'm in it, you're right, that thing just washes over you. And in a weird way like echoes lexi inspires mundane lexi i look up to my performance self because that's awesome yeah like she helps me so much like it's it's crazy people will be like your music helps me and i'm like well our fans they help me so much too i don't think they realize that it's such an exchange of energy but but truly i think as an artist i feel like a lot of artists feel that their performance self it's this space that you tap into that's so hard to get into, but that's where you're like, you're most confident where you can say what you want to say, be who you want to be. And that in turn inspires our belief in ourselves in our mundane life. My music that I've created is helping me just as much as it's helping other people. And I'm proud of the fact that I was able to to digest whatever emotion it was and then regurgitate it into this like tangible sonic piece and then learn from it just as other people outside of my circle who learn from it or heal from it or grow from it can can do. Like it does the same thing for me. I, I haven't said this yet. I think music is that completely raw, untouched, unfiltered. Part of your soul that you don't have to give an explanation for. Like I know throughout this entire thing, anytime I feel myself being too like open, I've said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm so caffeinated. Like caffeine makes me this way." Which, yes, it does. But also, that is me coming out. You know, it's my quirkiness coming out. And it's funny that I try to give a reason for it. But with my music, I never give a reason for why an emotion comes out. I just make a song, and I think that that's what's so beautiful is music doesn't. It doesn't need you or it doesn't even give me the feeling in my soul to be like, sorry, I made this. I felt this like I don't apologize. I just create, you know, and I'm trying to learn how to do that in my everyday life, too, because you should never apologize for just existing and being your true authentic self. If it's not hurting anybody, if it's not hurting you or anyone else around you. You know,
0: Lexi, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so freaking much. Did you have a good time?
1: Yeah, dude, I'm I love doing this stuff. I love talking about art and healing and yeah i thank you for having me on here i could talk your ear off even more
0: (laughs) hey Nation! hope you enjoyed episode 46 of behind the doll with lexi from echoes if you are interested in the patreon or getting private lessons in electronic music production or social media marketing there are links in the description again make sure to like comment subscribe repost follow you know whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on like itunes spotify google play deezer YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you're at, it just helps us know that we're moving in the direction that you need us to. And finally, make sure to check out the last episode of Behind the Dot that we did with Curtis King. We talk about hip hop versus electronic music, the greatest lie ever told in the music industry, and why the lack of freedom means the lack of creativity. There is a link in the description for that episode, but Daw Nation, let's listen to our final sponsorship for this week. Daw Nation, do you struggle with getting your music heard? Does it feel like no one is receptive? No one cares? No one is reacting in the way that you thought they would maybe it's even leading you to feeling like you're wasting your time and you feel like you should just give up on music donation there is no reason for you to keep feeling this way 100% of us have a tool that is constantly at our disposal which can not only put our music out to a huge amount of people but it can put it out to the right people do you know what that tool is It's social media. Never before in the history of making music have we ever had a tool like this. A tool that can connect your music to the right people virtually anywhere in the world within seconds. But the sad truth is, virtually no one knows how to use it. But if you're interested in utilizing the beast of a tool, which is known as social media, then I would highly encourage you in scheduling a social media marketing consultation with me. My consultation credits include Henry Fong, Kara, Culprit, AU5, Pegboard Nerds, Clockwise, Forso, Copycat, and The List keeps growing. Right now, I'm running a 25% off discount of my social media marketing consultations, but it is a limited time offer. It's not going to last long. So head on over to in net, click the private lessons tab, and select a social media marketing consultation. Again, head over to in net, click on the private lessons tab, select the social media marketing consultation, and you'll be on your way to getting your music out to the right people. donation Nation,
3: thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Daw, and we'll catch you next week.